We're going to be in John chapter 10 as we continue our series of the Gospel of John. And I'm going to invite Ashton up for our scripture reading this morning. Good morning. John 10, 11 through 18. This is God's word. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Amen. Thanks, Ashton. Good morning, church family. How are we? You good? Good to see you guys. Uh, if you're new, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, man, it's so good to see you. It's so good to gather. I really love getting to teach and to preach God's word. And I really loved last week getting to sit and have one of my other elders uh, teach and preach last week. Pastor Doug did such a good job. Don't you guys agree if you're here? Um, but what happens when I take a week off, that means I've bottled up two weeks worth of energy and content. So if you have a seatbelt, buckle it up. Uh, let's go. Um, honestly, th- this passage struck me uh, just in a really unique way, in particular because of some things that, that Pastor Doug shared, but also just because of some things kind of going on just in my life and a few situations I'm involved in and aware of. Um, we need Jesus to be our good shepherd. Uh, and it seems like in a, in, a, in a time in our culture, in our world, where you can't go even a day without reading about or hearing about some other failure of leadership, some other abuse of power, some other person in a position of authority and, 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 and privilege and power, using that to take advantage, the words of Jesus ring pretty true that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And so I want us to not think necessarily about him as our good shepherd. I want us to experience him as our good shepherd today. So I'm going to pray that uh, now as as we get ready to dive into this passage. God, would you help us today to not just understand at a cognitive level what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd, but for us to experience his love and his care and his his protection and his mercy. God, I I just bring my own heart before you right now. Uh, Just some things that are really painful, really um, hard to kind of walk through with people that I know and love and and people in positions of leadership. making very bad decisions. And God, I, I just bring my own heart before you. I ask you to guard my lips and help me to, to teach that which is truthful and teach that which is you've said. And God, I pray for um, each and every one who's here today. God, I don't know their lives. I don't know their circumstances, but Jesus, you do. Because you are the good shepherd who, who knows us and loves us and cares for us. And so I pray that this time today would be useful, would be profitable, and it would be glorifying to Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. I was talking to my wife uh, last Sunday. She volunteered in the, the kids' ministry. And if my wife can volunteer in the kids' ministry, you can volunteer in the kids' ministry. Uh, our family feels like a kids' ministry at times, so when we don't show up. 
attendance is cut in half. But uh, we, she was telling me about this game that they played last week in the kids' ministry, and they were talking about um, having faith and what it means to have faith. And basically the game was they asked the kids to close their eyes and then take the hand of one of the leaders, and that the leader was going to lead them through an obstacle course of sorts, and the child was going to trust that the leader wasn't going to run them into a desk or something like that. And it was just kind of this precious picture of what it means to have faith, what it means to have faith in God. And, and uh, she was laughing because different children responded differently to this game. There were some kids who were like, sweet, close their eyes, duck their heads in their shirts, go on, you know. My, my youngest daughter was actually in class with my wife, and she's just, you know, grabbing her mom's hand. I know my mom loves me. I trust my mom. There were other kids, and some of you parents know who your kids are. We're like, one eye open, like, oh, I'm not so sure about this, and a little skeptical, a little, oh, I don't know if I can trust this leader. I don't know if I can trust them, but. It was just funny to see the way that different people reacted to that situation. And it just made me think about us, you know, as adults. Maybe the game's a little bit more complicated, but it's still the same basic premise, right? We don't know what obstacles are out there. We don't know what challenges are going to come our way. We don't know who is out there that's trustworthy, who out there is untrustworthy. What's going to make you feel unsafe? What's going to make you feel vulnerable? What's going to make you feel protected and loved and cared for and and if we had time, we could, we could open up, you know, we could do open mic and we could get real personal and you could start to share, man, when I'm in this situation, it makes me feel really unsafe. And when I'm around this type of person, man, it, 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 it triggers me. Or when I'm around this type of person, it makes me feel really safe and really loved. I think we all crave safety. It's a fundamental human need. From the time that we're infants, Every human wants, needs to feel safe and secure. And the big idea of this passage today is that Jesus, our our good shepherd, is the only true source of safety and of life. He's the only one at the deepest, most fundamental level that we can can truly trust. And I say that with caution because I'm not trying to breed mistrust among people in your life, but the reality is even the best people that you know are still fallible human beings. So at the ultimate level, at the foundational bedrock level, it's got to be Jesus. Now this passage, what what struck me was, I've I've read this passage before, I've heard this this taught before, but I had not really thought of it in the context of what we've just been seeing these last couple weeks. If you heard last week, I heard Pastor Doug teach, or or me a couple weeks ago, you remember that, that Jesus healed a man born blind. And he received his sight. And, and, and then he went and appeared in front of the religious leaders. And, and as we heard last week from Pastor Doug, what did the religious leaders do to this man? They excommunicated him for receiving healing from Jesus on the Sabbath. These religious leaders did not like Jesus because he did not hold up their man-made extra-biblical rules. They did not like Jesus, therefore they didn't like anyone who was associated with Jesus. And they kicked him out. And Pastor Doug said it last week, I thought it was just this brilliant insight. Like this is, this blind man's the best day of his life and the worst day of his life. He just received his sight. He just got excommunicated. And it's in the context of all of this, the the blind man being healed, that Jesus does this thing about the the good shepherd. Actually, if you skip down to the the end of our passage that we're looking at today, down to verse 19 through through 21, after Jesus says all this about being the good shepherd, it says there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon, he's insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a, a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so 
there's still, at the end of this passage, there's still conflict, there's still controversy. Should we take Jesus seriously? Should we listen to him? This whole thing about the good shepherd is all about Jesus having a finger in the chest of these religious leaders saying, you are not living up to your God-given role and responsibility to care for God's people. This is a very specific confrontation between Jesus and a group of religious leaders. And this is also a conflict with a tremendous amount of meaning and symbolism behind the scenes. If you read the Bible at all, you know that shepherds get a lot of play. Shepherds get a lot of play. You know, you got, you got some soldiers, you got some warriors, you got some farmers, but really shepherds keep kind of time and time again rising to the surface. In fact, Genesis chapter four, you've got Cain and Abel, right? Abel is the the one who's innocently slain by his hateful, vengeful brother. Abel's a shepherd. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even Joseph, the, the, the patriarchs of the people of Israel, they were all shepherds. They all had flocks. Moses, what was he doing when God called him through the, 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 the fiery bush that God called him to go lead the people of Israel? What was he doing? Shepherding. King David, the greatest king that Israel ever knew. What was his occupation? I mean, it's just one after another, after another, after another. Even the promised Messiah is, hey, he's going to lead his people like a shepherd, Isaiah 40 tells us. But there's some Old Testament background that's even more specific to this that I think would have been in the minds of these leaders and of Jesus' hearers. There's a couple of Old Testament prophecies I'll reference briefly. One is found in Ezekiel 34. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves, shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock. And it actually goes into a long, basically the entire chapter of Again, finger in the chest. Now, this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament background. This is before the people went away into exile. But as Jesus starts using this language, I'm a good shepherd, I think people would have heard, oh, there's some bad shepherds that are being called out here. Another one is found in in Zechariah 11. It says, woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Let me just ask you this. Does God take seriously when people are put into positions of power and leadership, does God care how they do it? Good, right answer. You got to understand though, by the time that we get to Jesus' day, eh, shepherds weren't really, shepherds weren't really thought of as, as, as a good occupation. Throughout the history of Israel, shepherds, King David, Moses, they're, they're looked at well, but by the time you get Roman occupation and the whole Greco-Roman empire, shepherds had fallen basically to the bottom of the, the ladder, the, the bottom rungs of the social ladder. So when you, were, when you were a shepherd, you were not looked upon favorably. It would have been that way in Israel's past, but it wasn't that way anymore. You didn't want to be a shepherd. Something about empire kind of takes away the, 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 the attractiveness of sitting with a bunch of stinky sheep. And so Jesus launches into maybe the closest thing that we have to a parable in the Gospel of John. It's not really a parable, but it's a, it's a, it's a metaphor. He says this. He says, uh, he says um, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls out his sheep by name and leads them out. I love that. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's interesting when you read commentaries, um, we're not shepherding people. Where's Pastor Jamin? You have some goats, right? Like it's close, right? Uh, If you have sheep, God love you, but uh, you can go to the parts of the world, you know, the Middle East or, or other um, areas of the world, more agrarian societies to see this lived out. We, by and large, are not. But one of the things you, you, you know and you learn is that like a sheep pen, a sheepfold, oftentimes there's multiple flocks in the same pen. There's multiple owners, multiple herds, and the shepherd will come out and will use a specific vocal call. This happens in the world to this day, will use a specific call with his voice and only those sheep that know that shepherd will come out and will follow him. It's pretty remarkable, actually. Verse six, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. Surprise. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's getting a little bit more clear with them. All who came, this is subtle, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, just again, remember, if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard these words read before. But remember, this is in the context of Jesus talking with religious leaders who just excommunicated a man. He says, no, I'm, I'm the way in and out. I'm the door. And all these other ones who came before me are thieves and robbers, You wonder why people wanted to kill Jesus. He keeps going. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a a hired hand and and, and, and not a shepherd. He who does not own the sheep, he, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock with one shepherd. And for this reason, the father loves me because I lay my life down. Listen to this, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Bam. I love this. This is, this is, this is like a, just a keg full of dynamite with so many things that we can learn, so many things that we can see. And so I want to spend uh, our next few minutes together sharing with you 10 things that we can see from this teaching. And the first one is, if Jesus is the good shepherd, that means that we are what? We are the sheep. Yes. Say bah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So sheep is a metaphor that is used for people often throughout the Bible. And can we be honest? It's not the 
most flattering uh, metaphor that could be used for us, right? Want to be like the noble steed or like, you know, the, 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 the male, you know, the buck, the, the, the stag, whatever it's called. I don't even know. I don't know animals, right? And instead it's like, yeah, you're, you're a sheep, right? You're sheep. What are sheep? Sheep, will, sheep are vulnerable. They're vulnerable. They're, they're always being targeted by predators. What else are sheep? They're kind of foolish, right? Like, do you know that like if sheep get startled, they just fall over? Like, it's really dumb. And, and they're always wandering and they're always getting themselves lost. And, but you know, the other thing about sheep is they're loved. There's something, I mean, the idea and the imagery of a cute, cuddly sheep has been part of the, the human experience for thousands and thousands of years. There's stories in the Old Testament about like a man loving his sheep, like just like part of the family. It's, I mean, it's kind of even before we domesticated dogs and kept our beloved, you know, fur babies or whatever Seattleites call them, right? Like it was, it was wool babies before that, right? Like sheep are cute. They're, they're cuter than another animal. They're loved by, they're, they're loved more. Like if, like the, the farmer is not leaving, the shepherd's not leaving the 99 to go find the one if we're talking about like manatees or something like that. That's, a hor- that's horrible, right? So we're sheep. We're sheep. We're vulnerable. We're foolish. But we're loved. Part of the family. Number two, that we can see that danger is real. Okay? Danger is real. In in this passage Jesus mentions, he mentions thieves and robbers and wolves. And thieves and robbers and wolves, they all want to take what you have in order to build themselves up. They want to take life in order that they might have life. <clears throat> physical danger is real, but even more than physical danger, Jesus is talking about a, a reality of spiritual danger. You know, the, the, throughout the Gospel of John, we've seen that John, he never uses the word repent in the entire Gospel of John. He doesn't talk about repentance and forgiveness. He, he frames the problem a little bit differently. He always frames the problem that we've been disconnected from the source of life and we need to be reconnected to the source of life. I've used the illustration before about, you know, when you unplug your phone in the morning and you start going about your business, your phone is just slowly dying all day long. But here, maybe we could use a little bit of a different analogy about danger and about being disconnected from the source of life is when you see a sheep that is wandering or straggling or disconnected from the herd and not being watched over by a shepherd, when you're watching those nature documentaries and they show the, you know, the, the mountain lion, you know, crouching in the weeds and then that one little sheep wanders off, like, are you like me? And you start yelling at the TV, like, run, man, like get back with the crew, right? There's, there's real danger. It's kind of like that. Danger is real. Spiritual danger is real. And we, like wandering sheep, have been disconnected from our source of life and protection, God our Father. And it's spiritual danger. It's more real than physical danger. How many of you have ever been in like a physically dangerous situation? Somebody pulled a weapon, some car, you know, car wreck, whatever. Something, I mean, you guys remember how fast your heart rate was and how just disjointed you felt. and uh, Man, Jesus is saying we're, we're living in that, but spiritually all the time, and we don't recognize it. So the third thing is sheep need safety. Sheep need safety. They need protection. And it, it's, it's, it's twofold. What they need is they need a person of safety and a place of safety. 
Sheep have no, <laughs> sheep have no natural defenses, right? Like I'm from Alaska originally. You've got bears with tooth and claw. You've got moose with antlers. Like what's a sheep going to do? Headbutt you in the thigh? Like if you, if you, I don't care how weak you think you are. If you had to, you could beat up a sheep. I just like, I promise you, like you, <laughs> like you have my permission to try at the, you know, Puyallup Fair this fall or something, right? What are you doing? Pastor said I should, <laughs> right? <laughs> How was church today? It was, it was great until he started talking about beating up sheep, but like, so sheep need a, a place of safety, a, a pen, a fold, a fenced in area, an area where it's known that there's, there's food to eat and there's protection, but they also need a person who can be alert and on, on the watch uh, for danger. And I think just as human beings, we can just relate to that on a whole host of levels, right? You, you want to have somebody who's looking out for you. You want to have a, a boss that's looking out for you. You want to have a parent that's looking out for you. You want to have a, a politician or a, a, you know, a, a government leader that's looking out for you. In fact, that's one of the best ways to get yourself elected is if you go out with a tagline, something like, I'm looking out for the little guy, right? It's like, oh, you know, I'm a sheep. Bah, look out for me. Like that's, that's what we want. We want that person. And we want that place. We want like, here is my area. Here is my place where I'm safe. Here is my, whether it's your home or it's a, an environment or a, a church or, or a, a, an office or wherever it might be. We want to know that there's a, a place of safety as well as a person of safety. Actually, you see that throughout the Old Testament too, that God's promise to his people is that they would have a Messiah, a king, a person of safety, and they would have a promised land where they would be safe. Number four, though, is that false safety happens. Jesus talked about these hired hands. And this is hard because you feel like a thief, a robber, a wolf. You can kind of deal with that, right? You know that they're out there. You know that they want to hurt you. You know that they want to take advantage of you. It, the rules of engagement are a little bit more clear, but a, a hired hand is particularly difficult because you entrust yourself to someone thinking that they will be that person of safety. And when the proverbial stuff hits the fan, they bolt. They're looking out only for themselves. They're not looking out for the good of the people. I'm not asking you to, to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to call it a name specifically, but maybe you've known somebody like that in your life where you trusted them. You, you, in, you gave a place of power and authority in your life to them. And when the waters got rough, they jumped out of the boat and left you. I think that might be even more hurtful than just a straight up thief or a straight up wolf coming at you. That's more damaging because now not only have you had someone attack you and hurt you, but it's come from someone that you gave a place of trust to. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Number five, Jesus says that he is first the gate. And I love in this kind of metaphor that, that Jesus is painting, he's both the gate and the gatekeeper and the shepherd. Jesus is saying all the good stuff, it's, it's all me. So first of all, in verse three, he says the gatekeeper is, is responsible basically to only let sheep in. He's the one that has, he has exclusive right of who's coming in, who's going out. Verse seven, he says, I am the door for the sheep. Verse nine, he says, I am the door. If anyone, if anyone, anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. 
Friends, our place of safety that we deeply desire, that we deeply long for, is ultimately found in Jesus. And if it sounds exclusive, it's because it is. Jesus is claiming exclusivity here. He says, I am the way for you to experience ultimate safety and security that you want. Now, the good news is anyone can enter. Do you hear that? Anyone can enter only through Jesus. That's the tension of the inclusivity and the exclusivity of the gospel message. Jesus is saying, you got to come through me. But if you want in, you come, you come talk to me. I'm going to keep the bad guys out. I'm going to bring the sheep in. I'm going to lead the sheep in and out. They're going to find pasture. They're going to find food. They're going to find uh, salvation. They're going to find everything that you want. At the deepest heart level, Jesus says, it's found in me. He goes on. Jesus is not only the gate, he is the good shepherd. He's not just the place of safety. He is the person of safety. And when you think about a shepherd, I mean, we could talk for a long time about what all shepherds do, but it really kind of boils down to a few things. Number one, a shepherd leads. Hey, let's go over here. Let's do this. Let's not go there. Let's go over here. The shepherd is responsible to lead. The shepherd is responsible to feed. This is safe to eat. This is good to eat. This is rich food for you. This will be good for you. And then the shepherd is responsible to protect. He's that person that keeps a lookout for both the wolf and the hired hand. So Jesus does this for us. Jesus says things like, come and follow me. At the very beginning of the gospel of John, what, what did he say to, to, the, to his first disciples? Like, well, where are you going? What are you doing? He just says, come on, let's go. Follow me. Let's see. Let's see. He leads. He says, we're going over here. Jesus says, by the way, I got to go to a place that you can't go to, but you keep coming, keep coming, keep going. Okay, stop. I'm going to go here. Jesus feeds. He, sa- he, he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He says, my, my word is, is life. My, my teaching is life. He says, I, you, I am the bread. You feast on me. He feeds us and he protects us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, not on my watch. I came to bring life and life abundantly. Is that good news to you? He, 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 he keeps us safe. Number seven, then we start to see some things that really, really start to stretch us out. Number, number seven is that the good shepherd, Jesus, is God. So did you notice how Jesus brings in the father? You know, I and the father. He starts having this, this language, you know, the, the father knows me and I know the father. And we've, we've looked at this before, so I'm not going to deal with it ex- extremely at length. But when Jesus starts making these claims about being the good shepherd, again, it's going to kind of bring back up some of these passages from the Old Testament. Going back to Ezekiel 34 again for a moment that I referenced at the beginning. It, listen to what it says. In this prophecy, given hundreds of years, probably around Five, six hundred years before Jesus was, was born, this prophecy says that as a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I, this is God speaking, I will also look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. So God says, I'm going to be the shepherd. You skip forward a few verses, verse 23, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and he will be their shepherd. I, the Lord God, will be their God and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And you look at that prophecy like, well, wait a minute, is God going to be the shepherd or is this like David figure, this descendant of David, is he going to be the shepherd? And you have to kind of say, yep. 
That's why people were so confused by Jesus. Are you claiming to be God? And they disappeared like a ninja. And they're like, we're ready to kill you. Where'd you go? I'm the shepherd. David is, uh, Jesus is the descendant of David. He's, he's the offspring of David, but he's also God himself. Now, we love, we love, oh man, we Americans, we love powerful leaders, right? We, we love powerful leaders. We, we really have a thing for that, right? And on the good side of that, there's a, there's a dark side of that. But on the good side of that, how reassuring is it to know that your shepherd, your king, your leader is none other than God himself? Come on. That ought to put a little steel in your spine. You ought, you ought to be able to, you know, bah with a little more authority, right? It's like, ah, my, shepherd, my shepherd's God. My shepherd invented grass. Like, I'm really happy about this, right? That was weird. <laughs> Fix that for the next service. All right. Jesus claimed to be God. And this is incredibly important because we need our chief shepherd to be God. We need our good shepherd to be God so that we can know that he has the power and the authority to make good on all of these claims. Which leads me to point number eight, which is the shepherd, the good shepherd, dies to give life. The wolf comes to take life. I'm going to take your life force. I'm liter- a wolf literally is going to drain your blood from you in order to build up his own life. A robber is going to literally steal your possessions, steal your riches to make themselves richer. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, this takes us back to the Old Testament prophecies again. Zechariah, the other one I referenced earlier, Zechariah 13. There's this, there's this conversation about good shepherds and bad shepherds and God says in this prophecy, sword, awake against my shepherd, against the man who is my associate. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. Strike my shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. And going back to Zechariah 12, 10, it says on that day, they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and will weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. Jesus, our good shepherd, was poor that he might give us richness. A robber takes riches for themselves. Jesus, our good shepherd, is poor that we might receive. Not just earthly riches. No, no. We're talking about the very treasure of heaven. Jesus, our good shepherd, was broken to make us whole. Our good shepherd was killed that we might have life. We're the wandering sheep. We're the, we're the lost one. We're the vulnerable one. We're the one that the wolf is coming after. And our good shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one. And he places himself in between us and the wrath of the wolf to take all of that evil, all of that wickedness upon himself and in so doing to deliver to us abundant eternal life. Oh, and by the way, Don't you just love it when Jesus says, 
By the way, no one, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Elsewhere in the New Testament, says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and despised its shame. No one takes my life. I lay it down of my own accord. I'm wanting to do this. I want to die for my sheep. Oh yeah, I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up again. This charge I have received from my father. Our good shepherd died that we might receive life, but he didn't stay dead, did he friends? On the third day he rose from the tomb, conquering over the wolf, conquering over the thief, conquering over the robber, conquering over all of our fears, all of our insecurities, and any who would try to abuse us, take advantage of us, proving that he really is our chief shepherd, our person of safety. He is the gate, our place of safety. It's all found in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is good news to us, friends, which leads me to uh, number nine of ten. The flock that he leads is very large. Did you notice how he said, by the way, there's other sheep that are not part of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. What is Jesus saying here? What ethnic people group is Jesus talking to in this moment? The Jewish people, he's speaking to this, this Jewish group of leaders. He's saying, but by the way, it's this, this salvation is not just for the Jewish people. I've got other people who are not here right now. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and they're going to hear my voice and they're going to come as well. And they're going to hear and they're going to respond. Speckled sheep, you know, blotchy sheep, brown sheep, white sheep, black sheep, all of them are going to all come in because they're going to hear my voice and they're going to know their shepherd. These religious leaders had drawn a line in the sand and they'd excluded a man And Jesus says, no, you don't get to do that. I I get to say who's in. And by the way, my flock is going to be huge. And it's going to be made up of people from every nation and tribe and tongue under the sun. And one day when we get to the eternal marriage supper of the lamb, the lamb who was slain, the shepherd who is also the lamb, guess what? We are going to have a a multi-ethnic banquet of food that will put the greatest potlucks in the world to shame. Amen? Like, this is such good news for me because I mentioned a few weeks ago, I just did my Ancestry.com DNA thing. I got no Jewish in me. So praise God that he is accepting Gentile sheep like me. And I just come in like, bah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a good sheep, but will you please take me? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm bringing him in. I'm bringing him in. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful that God sent a good shepherd to pull sheep together who are not part of this elite class of like, you know, 4-H show sheep? He says, bring the weird three-legged ones in. Bring that one that's missing an eye. Like, you, you know, you're up there. Like, just bring them all in. Like, just go, right? I wasn't talking about you guys specifically. I'm just, sorry, Brett. It's, I love you. It's fine, yeah. <laughs> you know, weird-looking sheep. Like that? No, I'm just not. This is what happens when I don't preach for a couple weeks. Pastor Doug, can you tag in, please? I am so thankful that the flock of our good shepherd is a lot bigger than what we what we would choose and what we, like when we get to heaven, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, we're going to be surprised. And I, I, I'm even frustrated that sometimes we have to use the words radical grace because grace is already radical. Jesus said, if anyone will enter by me, they will come in and go out, find pasture, they will be saved. 
one flock, one shepherd made up of all people groups in the world. The, 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 I'll just say this briefly. Our, our nation in particular is having a lot of conversations about race and racial reconciliation. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, should see that this idea of him reconciling us God to man, but man to man is right at the heart of what Jesus came to do. And we have something of hope to offer to the world because we were the lost and straggling sheep and he brought us in. And lastly, number 10, the good shepherd is our model. Once we have experienced his love, once we've experienced his care, once we've known that he lays down his life for us and he died to give us life and he he rose again to, to prove that everything he said is true, we can trust him. Then we're left with this question, how do we lead? How do we lead? You have a role of leadership somewhere. Every person has some influence, some leadership, some authority. Uh, This passage weighed so heavily upon me this week as I was preparing as, as as an elder in this church, as one of the overseers of the church. There are explicit commands in the Bible that the elders, the overseers, must Love the people in the church like Jesus, the chief shepherd. Jesus is the senior pastor. He's the chief shepherd of our church and any church that calls upon the name of Jesus. It weighed heavy on me this week. Is my leadership reflective of Jesus, our good shepherd? What about uh, as a a parent? For those of you who are parents, are you shepherding them? By the way, can I just say this? Shepherding, it is not only pastors who do shepherding. Okay? Pastors must shepherd. It's in the title. Pastor, pasture, sheep, bah. Like it's right there, okay? But all Christians, everyone who is saved by the blood of Jesus, you have shepherding to do as well. For those of you who are parents, you are to shepherd your children. For those of you who lead in other areas in the church, you are to shepherd those who are under your care. For those of you who have authority, positions of responsibility or authority in business, in, in your workplace, you're called to shepherd. For those of you who are just disciples of Jesus in relationship with other disciples of Jesus, there's language in the Bible about watching out for each other and caring for each other and bringing back a wandering brother or sister. You all are called to shepherd like Jesus. So how are you doing? Are there times where you see in you the thief or the wolf? Are there times where you see in yourself, man, I, I actually want to take instead of give? Are there times where you see in yourself the hired hand? I'm just, I'm just here until you know, something difficult comes and I'm, that I'm out. Or have you been so radically shaped by the good news of Jesus, our good shepherd, that you can't help but love and care for others. And you're broken over your sin and you're broken over the ways that you have not loved well and you want to repent of that and go to Jesus, our, our good shepherd, and say, would you teach me? Would you, would you instruct me? Would you shape me? Would you mold me? Would you help me to do a better job with those whom I'm called to love and serve and lead? How are you doing Let me close with this question. For those of you who are not a follower of Jesus, there's an invitation today to come 
into the safety that your heart desires, the ultimate safety that's found in Jesus. Listen, Jesus never promises that if we trust in him and become a follower of Jesus, that everything in life is going to go easy, smooth, perfect from this day forward. There are preachers who say things almost that bluntly. They are wrong. But when we enter into this this one flock with this one shepherd, Jesus, we can know that ultimately all of the brokenness in the world will be undone. All of the hurts that we've experienced will be healed. Ultimate safety, ultimate security, ultimate peace is found in Jesus. Do you want to know Jesus as your good shepherd today? For those of you who are Christians, let me remind you that even though we are part of this flock, we are still prone to wander. And our good shepherd is faithful to chase us down time and time and time and time again. And if he's that good to us, if he's that gracious to us, if he's that committed to us, if he's that loving to us, well then how ought we to respond? How ought we to live our lives? Let me, let me just, I'll just say this. Who do you look to as your model of leadership? We live in a culture with a lot of competing voices, whether it's authors, bloggers, podcasts, news personalities, politicians, you know, athletes or everyone's favorite, you know, actors and musicians. We love to, to hear their opinions and we love to follow. Oh, I love that they're doing this. I love that they're doing that. I'm not saying don't have heroes or people that you admire or look up to, but is Jesus number one? Is he really the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the one who you most closely identify with? Jesus, we come before you now as our good shepherd. We thank you that you've loved us so incredibly well, that you've laid down your life, that we might receive life. And Jesus, I ask and I pray right now that you'd help us. God, if there's anyone here today who's not yet a believer in you, Jesus, would you do that work in their heart that they would trust in you and say, yes, bring, bring me in. I want to hear the voice of my shepherd. I want to respond. I want to come and be a part of this flock. God, for those who have already been brought into that flock, would you forgive us for those times that we wander, the times that we go astray? Would you lead us as a shepherd leads the sheep? And God, would you help us to reflect your love and your shepherding for us when we shepherd others. Help us now as we enter into this time of response to not just think about you, but to experience you as our good shepherd. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite us to respond. And the first way we're going to respond is to the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I want to invite you to give, not out of guilt or obligation, but to give as worship, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because it says in, in 2 Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver. So if you as a, as a sheep have known the, the love of the good shepherd, it's that heart of response that leads us to our financial giving. And so I want to encourage you to give. If you want to text to give or give online, there's information on the screen on how to do that or you can give here in service. Let me do this. While they're collecting the offering, I'm also going to invite you to get the elements of communion out and I want to go to a different passage than we usually go to. We always go to, often go to 1 Corinthians uh, 11. 
because it speaks about communion, what we're doing. I want to take us to a very famous passage in the Psalm, Psalm 23. And I want to read this and I want to lead us through communion here in just a moment. So get, get the elements ready and we'll take, we'll eat and we'll drink all together as, as a church family in just a moment. But I want to read this. I invite uh, you just to prepare your heart prayerfully as we do this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Pause for a moment. God, we come before you. We want to bring our hearts. God, there are times when we've sought our our food. We've sought our safety in in places besides you and the pastures that you provide. God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God, even when, when times are difficult, even when we go through challenging, painful circumstances in life, would you give us the trust to know that you are with us, that you love us, that you care for us? Your rod and your staff, God, your rod and your staff, even of correction, they comfort me. Here it is, friends. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we come before you now knowing that you prepare a table for us. God, even even as there are enemies wolves and robbers that want to harm us. God, we we come before you today at this table with this bread, knowing that our Savior Jesus, his body was broken for us. Jesus, our good shepherd, thank you that your body was broken, that we might be made well. Friends, this is the body of Christ. I invite you to take and eat. In Christ at this table, there's a cup a covenant written in your blood that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that that we who hear your voice will know that we belong to you. Even when we wander, God, that you're faithful through Jesus to bring us back. And so we take this cup now, the, the cup, the promise, the covenant written in Jesus' blood, and we worship you and we thank you for drawing us to you. Friends, this is the blood of Christ I invite you to take and to drink. Friends, as we enter into a time of singing here, a few songs, let's be mindful of Jesus, our good shepherd, the one who came from heaven to seek us out and to save us. I'm gonna invite you to stand if you would, and let's lift our voices and sing of his great love.